Salutations. My name is Justin Lore. <laughs> and I'm Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> and you are listening to episode 115 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And this is going to be a little, uh, we're going to do something a little differently this episode because uh, Liam and I unfortunately weren't able to, how shall we say this, make, force the planets to align to our will. Um, we were supposed to record a live episode together, not a live episode, an episode together in the same room because I in have person. in person because I had I had taken a Tolkien-esque journey across these United States of America and at one point was in Chicago and actually me and Liam did hang out. We got delicious, weird food. I don't even know what what fucking genre of food that was that we got. I just think it was like. To me, that felt very much like a, like Americana from like a foodie perspective. Like it was all very like, uh, like gastro pub foodie sort of stuff, but vegan. So it was like, let's yeah, what you know, what would mustache twirling hipsters be eating in the mid two thousands? But instead of it being made of bacon, we're gonna make it of seitan and. It was good. I mean, to be fair, the thing that I the I had two things. One of the things I had was just a uh uh fried green tomatoes. That's just that's just a southern thing. Now, granted, uh it was not the way that I've had it when I've been when I lived in Virginia, but it it's very much a southern dish. Interesting. Yeah, I forget what I got like this weird vegan calamari thing. Yeah, it was that made was out just of mushrooms. Like, like a like a fucking shitload of mushrooms. Looked good though. And it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know so, yeah. Me, you know me, Justin. I'm a blood mouth. So when I tell everyone that it was a completely satisfying vegan meal, that's not like because I've been living off of diet for my whole you know what I mean? Like it, it was very good. Yeah. I mean, and then there's me on the other end of the spectrum who is a actual fucking monster. <laughs> no, uh, let's let's say you are a human, a compassionate and caring human being who eats out of the trash most of the time. Yes. <laughs> and this trip definitely highlighted that because it was like gas station food, uh, tacos, literal gallons of Gatorade. And then like, I don't know, four pizzas com- all together to myself. Do you, I mean, has the road trip options for vegans improved or is it still a little rough out there? I mean, look, life is always rough out there, <laughs> but it's definitely gotten better. That being said, <laughs> no matter how far the rest of the world seeks to accommodate me, I will always withdraw from the rest of the world in an attempt to remain a noble savage. Okay. So when you say you can go to Burger King and get an impossible Whopper and French fries, I'm still going to go to the gas station and get a tall can of cherry Coke and a bag of chips and claim that that is a reasonable dinner for a man Uh, approaching 40. Yes, yes. I forgot. You also really do eat. See, this is the thing for me is that um, there are a lot of like uh, uh, health and moral reasons to be concerned about fast food, right? Like uh, to just be like, I don't know if this is a good thing for us to be eating. But what I've noticed is that a lot of people who also think that those reasons exist feel torn because they like it, right? Like they very much, yeah, I mean, like very much enjoy it, and so they they're like they feel torn because they're like there are reasons for me not to eat it, but it's just so good. I miss it when I don't have it. And the thing for me, Justin, is I hate most of it. Like when I have to eat fast food, I never like yay. I get to cheat and have. Fa-. I'm always like fuck. 
It's fucking torture. It's a fucking <laughs> task. It's I. You, I'd rather exercise, which is the other thing I hate besides fast food, is exercising. I just think it's bad, and like I don't. I would be. This is bad to admit, but it's just true. I would be. Let's let's take the worst offender, right? McDonald's. There's a lot of reasons to just think McDonald's is just a bad company, all over the place, right? But also their food is gross. Like I think it's fucking gross. And quite honestly, if I enjoyed it, I would judge them less for all of their terrible things that they do. Like I would be like, yeah, you know, that's probably a bad company. But oh man, I love me a blood of whatever it is. People like their Big Macs. Every time I eat there, I think I'm gonna die. Like it just tastes like shit out of my. Yeah, blood. yeah. It's like I mean that. That's the thing is like. I don't know. I mean, there's some. Don't be wrong. I'll rock a, I'll rock a chicken Sammy from the old Popeyes, but uh, but there's just a ton of fast food that people are just like stoked on that I don't understand. Like I just don't, I don't get the appeal. It just makes me feel bad, and I don't like it. And it's and that's beyond the reasons that people seem to be concerned, which is like, oh, I'm in my forties. I shouldn't be eating all this grease. You know, like I I will eat healthy at home. I have eaten healthy at home, but I'll also just like eat the worst like i'll eat what's available sometimes you know and that's you know i'm not above eating some real gross stuff no i know but again you're an, you're an adult who i've seen you make like vegetables and shit and it's then true. i've like wept on the inside because i'm like how does he do it <laughs> i i i i actually really do like you know if I was going to design a meal that's perfect for me, I would. There would be a ton of vegetables on that table. There might also be a bowl of Doritos, but that's just who I am, man. I'm not gonna hide it. I like chips. I like some chips as well as yeah. I saw asparagus. Th- there's a new, th- there's a new vegan pizza place that opened up around here, uh, Paranormal Pizza, and they have a new pizza that came out today that is like, um, it's like red sauce with sweet chilies topped with sweet chili Doritos and then like a like a kind of like drizzle like um I think it's like a chili um aioli whatever it's called and friend of the show John Carlo DeMarchi who is a fellow vegan uh has a touch of the trash monster in it but not as much as me he saw that and was like oh, I don't know man that doesn't look good and I was like you are an asshole because that looks <laughs> amazing. And so, I'm ready for it. So what we sort of hinted at here was we 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 excuse me, sorry. What we sort of hinted at here is that uh we got a chance to hang out, but we didn't have time to record. And the whole idea was while Justin was on his road trip, that we wouldn't have time, or rather he wouldn't have time to watch movies. Technically I had some time, but I was busy doing other stuff too. So we were just going to have like a check-in episode just about general horror stuff and life in general and all that kind of stuff. Uh, although uh, when we do talk about stuff, Justin, I do have a movie I watched because you watched it that we can definitely talk about. Um, so uh, that was the plan, and then we didn't get to record. So we thought, well, first episode back when uh, Justin gets done with his trip, we'll do that conversation where it's just a free form, just chatting it up, just catching up, just doing whatever. And then our next episode, our next one is the one with uh, Chris Reject and Dan Champion, right? Correct. And what are we covering for that one? I don't know. Fucking yeah, we'll movies that out. Reject pick because he's uh, worthless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. I'm sure yeah. it'll be good. Anyways, uh, before we get into what we're talking about, though, we probably need to thank some people. We should thank our patrons over at Patreon.com, the people who have subscribed to us gracefully and generously and bountifully with the made-up fucking bullshit money that isn't real, but all you peons and and sheep and people who haven't opened their eyes have agreed upon that is real, so we need it to function. So if you're one of those people who have generously tossed money our way through Patreon, thank you so very much. We truly Greatly appreciate it. If you want to be one of those people, um, you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks and, you know, give whatever you want. I mean, not only it's not only this show that you're helping, but it's also shows like Cinepunks and Cinema Smorgasbord and uh, what else is there? Oh, my God. Um, uh, 
the I can't even think right the Carnage Report, which drops, which will be out by the time this comes out. Good point. And then um, I don't know. There's Are you the, just trying to Twitch remember the, the other shows. I'm fucked, dude. I am still fucked from like two weeks of 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 barely <laughs> sleeping. No, no joke. The other like every single night since I've been home, not to go off on a tangent. Every single no night, I've woken up in the middle of the night, not knowing where I was. I'm not kidding. It's so fucking scary. And if it keeps going, I'm gonna get help for it. <laughs> but it's like like every night I've woken up like, what city am I in? What hotel room am I in? Um, am I awake? And I'm then I'm like, okay, no, I'm back home. It's fine. Okay, calm down. I mean, I guess so, I guess that's better than waking up and thinking that you've been abducted by aliens. I, that's fucking Tuesday for me, though. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'll I'll, t- I'll tell a rather humorous story about that, um, about one of the one of the many weird things I did on this road trip. Um, but anyway, yeah, you'll be helping us. Twitch of the Death Nerve. I got there. It is Switcher's Death Nerve. Black Sun Dispatches, which is wrapping up soon. So it's soon to be concluded. So soon you'll be able to hear the entire story of the city beneath the black sun. Um, wine and cheese. I'm just grasping at straws here. We're, yeah, you could wrap it up. <laughs> it's wrapped. I wrapped it. There it is. <laughs> so patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Uh, yeah. Uh, we should also thank our sponsors. Uh, the fine folks over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. I'm savoring it now because when Chris is on the podcast, only God himself in heaven knows what I'm going to say to him. It may or may not end our friendship. I don't know. We're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Uh, www.xlvacx.com. If you're looking to get t-shirts printed for your podcast, for your band, for your uh, um, all-male review. Oh, yeah, that's good. Roller derby um, team. Roller derby team. Anything like that. Go to www.xlvacx.com. Um, they are friendly. They are personable. They are unreasonably discounted at. And you get a really good product for the price. This isn't one of those places where you pay like a cheap price and you get what you paid for. Like you get way more than you pay for. And again, some would say unreasonably. Some would say dangerously more than you pay for because Chris Reject is a man already at his wit's end. And every single day, the business transaction that he suggests he subjects himself to only fucking grease the skids for him to the yawning grave. Now, I'm not saying I want Chris to die. I'm not saying that at all. But if you head to www.xlvacx.com, you will be helping an unhappy man become a little bit happier because his time on this earth just shortens just a little bit. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank our friends over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, luckily, we have nothing bad to say about Aaron Dahlbeck. He's the best. Absolutely uh, not. Super nice guy. And uh, he's really, uh, with Essex Coffee Roasters, trying to take away some of the uh, the mystery and the elitism around coffee and make it easier for you to get high-quality coffee Roasted to order, so you're getting it as fresh as possible. Uh, he also has tea and merch, and you can get all of that over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. And when you enter the code CINEPUNKS, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, on the way out, you're going to get 10% off your order. You got to do it. It's great. Come on. Uh, we also want to thank uh, our good friend, Sharky, uh, who is the editor uh, of this episode as well as uh josh's co-host over on uh josh and sharky showtime with josh and sharky uh he has a company called mechanical shark media they do audio production and editing they do video production and editing they do special effects they do puppetry uh i've i've seen now two videos where he made puppets and did the green screen effect with the puppets my man is is doing amazing things over there mechanical shark media dot Com. I mean, he edited this. He he makes horror business and cinepunks sound great, which is hard to do because we're bad at this. So, yes. Thank you, Sharky. He's the best. Check it out. We know that you want to hire him, whether that's to 
pr- help produce your podcast, whether that's to shoot a video for your band, whether that's to uh, help you get your documentary off the ground or whatever it is. You know, Sharky's the guy you want to work with. He's the best. He's, He's a- got he could do puppets. So if you're if you want to do make a music video that looks like a tool music video from the mid nineties, I I'm gonna speak for I'm gonna speak on Sharky's behalf. I'm gonna say he'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why it would. That, that sounds pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, why actually. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, mechanical Okay. That's now, everybody we got to think. Yes. What movie was it that you watched that I also watched? You asked because you asked me about a little movie called The Sadness. Oh, my God in heaven. This fucking movie, man. Liam. Justin. This movie has haunted me for days now. <laughs> yeah. You, you, what's funny about this is we had a conversation while you were here. Not a long one, but a short, brief one about uh, Category 3 movies. And I feel like if this was the late 80s, early 90s, this would be a Category 3 movie. Though I will say uh, they do make a few decisions in the course of the movie that are less abrasive than a Category 3 movie would have made the movie but they are very slight decisions that most of the movie is extreme unrelenting violence with no apology whatsoever yeah but okay so here's the thing about it do it is i keep seeing the one quote in the review about how it's the most depraved and violent zombie no, movie ever. no well and i I've also got, don't think it's a zombie movie but go ahead i was gonna say i've got we don't have time to delve into my fucking nonsense about here zombies but let me just say this. It's not the violence of this movie that has stuck with me. Sure. There is something about this movie where, because the whole idea is that there's this, this virus that essentially makes you unable to control yourself. And they allude to a lot of the times that the people are in full, they are fully aware of what they're about to do. And they can't help themselves. And the scene that like that really got under my skin was it's in the trailer, the scene with the in the subway where the guy like stabs all these people. Yeah, yeah. Right before that, though, the guy's wearing like Wayfarer sunglasses and you just see tears streaming down his face. Like he's aware of what he's about to do and he just can't help himself. That fucked with me so bad. Yeah. I mean, even in the, even thinking of it in the context of this of it being called the sadness, and the things that people are experiencing leading up to it, like that there's something else going on. There, there, there's something else going on under the surface besides the very intense acts of violence. That again, I don't think the acts themselves in most cases are that extreme. Like I think that anyone who's a fan of extreme movies has seen stuff worse than what's in this movie, right? Yeah. But the movie does have an unrelenting pace to some of the scene. Like, it's almost more like the action filmmaking. Because at times, the movie spills over from horror into gory action. And those scenes, while they are more action-y than other horror movies, still are scary. Because you believe that they're a state. The movie manages to have... It's really hard sometimes for a movie like this to have both characters and stakes, right? Because... You can't have a character and the, uh, without uh, – th- there's this feeling that, like, well, some of them have to irrationally stay alive despite the stakes because we have to care about them. And it is true that there is a character that, you know, makes it through most, uh, if not all, the movie, depending on how you interpret the ending. But, uh, but like, there still are stakes. Like, you pretty much feel the whole movie that anyone you see on screen could probably fucking get it at any time and oh yeah there's a very unsettlingness to that this is also in case people feel like it sounds that way it is a pandemic movie um but as a pandemic movie it certainly plays differently so one of the things i was thinking about was how this is a this is a for, we haven't said this is a chinese film right and in china there was quite a lockdown but as far as i know there wasn't quite the um the right wing pushback against masks and shit, right? 
Yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, we have to do this. Yeah. Like, it sucks, but we have to do this for the greater good. And that's complicated right now. Like, things are getting pretty intense in Shanghai. I feel like there might be some pushback in Shanghai right now. But at the time that this movie was being made, that wasn't a thing. But watching this movie as an American, I was like, oh, God. Uh, it's almost like this is a metaphor for all the terrible people who don't care if the rest of us die. Well, and to be, I, to, that, in, I don't think in that the was intentional. Def- no, and also in the film's defense, they kind of sidestep that because they make it very clear that the reason people are frustrated is that no one has died from this virus. Right, it this just is makes different. you like, yeah, 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 it just makes you very sick. The reason that like people are concerned, and this is what kind, this is what also kind of makes this movie kind of chilling, yeah. is that like all the scientists are like, look. This is not a cold. This is not a cold virus. This is essentially like a subdued, defanged version of the fucking rabies virus that could mutate at any moment. That's why we're so that's why we're we got people in lockdown. That's why we're afraid. We're not it's not just because it hasn't killed anybody. We're not really worried about that. We're worried about the fact that like it has all these like like um, dormant genomes in it that like could turn into something like unpredictable and violent. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. It's it, which is why I'm frustrated when I see people call it a zombie movie, because it's so much more a, like a, like a rabies movie. You know what I mean? Although even then, yeah. cause I was, I was thinking about it like a movie like rabbit or a movie like 28, 28 days later, but actually those don't even work because these people have personalities still. Right. And, and, and yeah. that, that to me is very much essentially why it's not a zombie movie, because zombies are people who look like your family, but are undead monsters. This is your neighbor or your family who's taking pleasure and fucking you up. Now, we know from the movie later on, they kind of reveal that some part of them isn't taking pleasure, which makes it that much more fucked up. But in the moment, that's what you're experiencing is someone who suddenly wants nothing more but to do something truly awful to you and while not all those awful things are on screen it is worth mentioning there's a lot of discussion and a few very sharp instances of sexual assault in this movie so it's worth noting that if that is a trigger for you you're going to want to avoid this one even though it's not nearly as intense as it could be there's still some really fucked up shit in this movie the way i've described this movie was if uh the garth ennis comic crossed was actually good and well thought out (laughs) It would be this. 100%. Like if, yes. If there was a substance to that, if there was something more to that than just like, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if this guy like fucked a dolphin? <laughs> um, yeah, there's just, and I mean, there's just a lot of moments in this movie that are just like, for a film that is like packed to the gills with just like bloody, absolutely like blood soaked violence. There's a lot of really quiet tension in this movie. That yeah. is yeah. Ner- like the scene when the main character, I think is I think his name is actually Jim, when he like walks into his apartment and there's that weird cartoon playing and then you hear on the loudspeaker outside like one of the infected has control of the loudspeaker and it's like uh it's telling like men of the neighborhood like come outside we're going to kill you. Women in the neighborhood prepare to be fucked like dogs in the street and he's just like Am I fucking dreaming right now? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's so it's and like, it's so just like there's 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 so many moments like that of just quiet buildup before just like unimaginable horror. And it's I just I don't know. It's just this movie got to me and I, I I've rewatched it several times and every single time I'm like, holy fuck, it's so good. I will say it it falls within the more recent. Not that this didn't exist before, but there seems to be a spate. Uh, recently of apocalypse movies. Like, this is like an end-of-the-world kind of scenario. Uh, But what sets it apart from some of those other movies is that um, the ending is not thematically ambiguous. It is narratively ambiguous, like what's going on with this one character as they sort of exit. But it's not thematically ambiguous in that some of these apocalypse movies end in such a way where you're like, eh, maybe this is better. You know, like uh, the the girl with all the gifts, right? Like, you know, that that there's a lot of tension in that movie. And then when it ends, you're like, eh, maybe this is better. I don't know. You know, like, uh, or as you know, I would argue, hereditary. Like, 
If this yes. is what, if this is what families are like, eh, maybe this is better, you know. And and yeah. uh, and uh, this movie, no, 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 no. This is definitely an apocalypse. But there's no feeling of like, oh, okay, well, the world's ending, but no big deal. No, no, no. This is a this is a fucking tragedy. And uh, and even if this character is gonna escape, uh, which I don't know what you thought. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but uh, um. There's no way I can say I was going to make a clever allegory to a very famous zombie movie. And there's no, like sure. anyone yeah. worth their salt would be like, oh, fuck. So I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Anyway. Even saying that probably gave it away. Like, well, yeah, all I'll say is, hey, y'all, I think this is worth seeing if you are someone for whom horror is better with extreme violence. Like, I think there there are those horror fans out there who probably even listen to this show you want a slow burn with only like one or two instances of violence and you'd prefer the violence to be off screen. This is not fucking that at all. Like this is a movie that like very quickly is like, "Eh, let's burn some faces off and do some crazy shit. Like it's just like right out there right away. Uh, But I also think that if you do like, or, or at least can handle some very unpleasant violence, there's other, the movie is good at other things too. It's not just, a cheap gore fest. It's got a lot of tension. It's got a lot of like, honestly dread. And it had like some seriously, some surprises, like just things I didn't expect that. I don't know. I just, I, a lot of times a movie that's this extreme sometimes comes across as cheap and this didn't come across as cheap to me at all. No. I mean, it also very easily could have been like 90 minutes of just nonstop, like mayhem, but the weird, like those, there's like a lot of times in the movie where it just like, kind of pumps the brakes for a bit and just lets it breathe and it just takes a step back and you're still immersed in the world that the film has created. You're still there with the dread, but it it, it kind of just allows you to digest what you've just seen and anticipate what's coming next. I just, I I mean, it's, it's just super fat. Like this, this film actually played at, I think, uh, it was at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Uh, I think it played Fantastic Fest as well. And I've been wanting to see this for a while. Um, and I'm I'm really it was worth the wait. Like I cannot I cannot say enough uh, how much I enjoyed this film. I'm glad, good sir. I'm glad. Okay, where do we go next? What do you want to do next? Um, have you watched any other movies? You know, uh, I haven't seen any other. Well, the the one thing I want to mention, and you, there's going to be a whole Cinepunks episode about it, so I don't want to get into it too deep. But I did see Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay, is that right? Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's I get uh I get confused sometimes with names like that. Uh, like that. There's that show like Somebody Somewhere, and I'm like, wait, is that right, or is it Somebody Someplace? I don't fucking know. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I, you know, we talk about it on the episode, but I was actually, I'm actually of a mixed mind about their the Daniels' last collaborative movie, which was Swiss Army Man. Uh, I have mixed feelings about Swiss Army Man, uh, but he, although I do very much like one of the Daniels made uh the death of dick long uh by themselves love that movie that movie's great everything everywhere all at once will very likely be my favorite movie this year unless you know cinema has some huge surprises for me this year like something truly unbelievable have to come out for me to care about anything else as much as i care about this movie like interesting so goddamn good it's one of the best things i've seen in years I loved it. Um, I'm not surprised at all by some of the star turns in it. Like, there's definitely not just Michelle Yeoh, but there's a lot of people in it, um, including the actor who played Data, uh, who hasn't acted in a long time. Uh, uh, excuse me, Brett Spiner. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You're thinking of Star Trek. I'm thinking of The Goonies. Uh, excuse me, Brett Spiner. Thank you. Thank you. No, I know him. Being a dickhead. Uh, uh, let's do this. The actor who played Short Round. Um, it turns out. God damn it! This will be this will be not a surprise to anyone. Uh, there's not a lot of work for uh, uh, Asian men in the '80s and '90s. And then, uh, literally, my man just saw Crazy Rich Asians. And was like, 
AO, I should try again and immediately book this movie. And so great. Good for him. Cause he's actually unbelievable in it. Like it is a, I don't want to ruin it. Cause there's, <clears throat> there's a, let's just put it this way. It's a sci-fi movie. It's got a ton of action. There's a lot of Kung Fu going on. It has a ton of gags, including some utterly redonkulous physical humor, just stupid, hilarious shit. And uh, it made me cry many times, not just like at time. There are multiple moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, fuck you, movie. Like just it's very good. I cannot recommend it enough. Everything ever all once people go see it. Not horror. I know y'all. Um, the other thing I did that's horror related that we could talk about before we get into your trip a little bit here is <clears throat> just before you got to Chicago, we were visited by some other folks, uh, one of which people will remember from um, <clears throat> their guest appearance on this very show. Because we were, we were visited by the hosts of Horror Vanguard. Oh, shit. Yes. Yes. I know. You forgot that was even happening, right? I did. No, and, it's, oh, God it's, damn it. It's nothing to feel bad. I mean, not that you would have been able to make it anyway, like with your trip and stuff like you weren't going to get back, get here in time for that. But uh, but yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, Har Vanguard is a uh, podcast that's basically uh you know, leftism and movies and horror movies, let's say. Uh, it's There's two hosts, um, Ash and uh, John, and John has been a guest on this very show. So, yeah, that's, that's basically all you need to know. It's good. It's good. So, uh, anyways, point is this. Um, they had a free live event here in Chicago at the University of Chicago. So one of the things about Har Vanguard, if you check out the show, is it's a ton more academic, uh, I would say, than our show. You know, they're very much. Absolutely. Uh, John is a. a uh, <laughs> this is where I'm like, I've been out of academia for too long. I was about to say uh, he's a. Uh, a tenured professor, but it said I was about to say he's an ordained professor, which is not the same thing. <laughs> Uh, John is a professor of uh, Gothic studies. Uh, he writes a lot about uh, Marxism and, and and Gothic stuff and correlations between the two. And Ash is, uh, I don't think he has his PhD, but he does a lot of uh, research and stuff post-MDiv. And, and anyways, they, they're friends who met each other at a conference talking about literature, film, and uh, leftist theory, and now they have this podcast where they have those discussions through talking about horror movies, and it's really cool. So they had a series of free events at the university. I wish I had gone to all of them so I could break down for you guys like some of the cool stuff they talked about, uh, including John getting very more specifically into his work on uh, Gothic Marxism, but instead I made it to they, they did a screening of The Relic, uh, specifically because the relic was filmed in Chicago. Like most of it was filmed in the field museum, uh, in Chicago. Although parts of the outside shots look less like the field museum to me and look more like the science museum. But so maybe they also filmed it there. I don't know, but that's supposedly where it's supposed to take place is the field museum in Chicago. And, uh, they sort of, uh, did a live recording of their next episode as well. And then they had a uh, sort of more of a panel discussion in the mornings around the idea of podcasting in academia, sort of talking about the function of podcasting as like a way for other modes of thought, you know, like academia is a very sort of like a, as you well know, Justin, a very rigid formalized system in which, uh, academics are expected to offer a lot of free labor. You know, there's a lot of exploitation yeah. of labor and shit like that. And whereas a podcast, it's like you're doing also intellectual work, but you're disseminating it in a more popular way. You're making it more accessible to a broader scope of people. And there's a chance you could actually like get paid to do it. You know what I mean? And like for them, they were talking about how th difficult it is as academics to be like, oh, people want to like give money to us. <laughs> to like <laughs> hear us do our work <laughs> because so much of, of production in academia is about 
managing things and writing things and doing hours and hours and hours of work without any idea of compensation whatsoever. Like just, that's just not going to happen. You do it because that's what the work is, you know? And, and for many academics, the production of that work, you know, maybe they'll get paid for a book, but the production even of articles and stuff, that's like the real work. And the teaching is just what you do so you can do the real work of writing things down, which has always been funny to me because, you know, I, I would love to just get paid to stand in front of people and talk. I'm just not smart enough to justify that, I don't think. But that's uh, <laughs> that's like that's my dream. And when I was, was interested in getting my PhD, I kept talking to professors. They'd be like, no, let me warn you. You got to actually teach, man. Like, you can't just do research and write. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's all I want to do. I'm going to do the research and the writing to justify the teaching. I don't care about the research and the writing. And I think that was a bummer to every professor I talked to. <laughs> no, one, <laughs> no one was like, oh, yeah, I feel you on that. They were all like, oh, okay. Well, good luck with that. I'm like, fuck. Sorry. I just want to teach. My bad. My bad. Anyways, it was cool. It was cool catching up. I had never met Ash before. I never even talked to Ash before. So it was cool meeting him. And then John, you know, we only, we talk on Twitter and he was a guest on our show, but that was it. So like meeting them in person, talking to them. Um, they didn't have horror Vanguard shirts in my size, but they had these shirts that had, um, who's the bad gremlin from gremlins? All of them. Uh, the, the one that has an actual name streak or spike you're talking or? about stripe stripe there you go they had how these the shirts. fuck did you not know that because <laughs> fucking it's fucking grim I, I i don't know i haven't really paid attention to gremlins in a long time they had these shirts that said that say stripe was right and it's got stripe on it he's holding a molotov cocktail it's pretty okay. uh i kind of want that shirt yeah you know it's sick i mean i can't wait for them to put them online so anyways all that to say it was a fun event. It was cool catching up with them. It was really great. I hung out uh, after the last event. I went to get some food with them and some of their people. And a lot of people who were there were people who support them on Patreon. And they have a Discord set up for their supporters on Patreon. So they all kind of knew each other. And it was cool like meeting those folks. It kind of made me want to like support their Patreon. But I do think we should set up a Discord so like our various Cinepunks people can have another way to like harass us and talk about us and stuff. So maybe sure, we'll do I'm that. down. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyways, um, but I, I kind of want to join theirs because the people who were there were very cool. It was cool meeting people who were interested in, uh, you know, leftism and horror and whatever else. And, you know, it was a good time. So all that to say, that was the other horror related thing I did. Um, and I got to, to mention our very fine podcast as well. Uh, and if people are wondering, uh, John is on the uh, Jacob's Ladder episode. Yes, Jacob's Ladder, and they look like people. Yeah, great episode. Great episode. Great episode. That's it. That's all I got. Um, I also watched a little film called The Cellar the other day. So, oh, okay. How was that? Um, it wasn't bad. It, I think it started out in a way that I was like, I'm really glad they're like going for the throat with this, and then it just kind of settled into something of a disappointing direction. Um. Like, it started out with the concept of, like, mathematics. Like, this, like, kind of, like, Lovecraftian thing where, like, there's this mathematics that if you can crack this equation, you can access a realm that... I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what Lovecraft story it is, but it's, like, will there be a professor who will find, like, a... Like I'm, I'm sure this story. I'm sure this story exists where there's like a math professor who goes missing, and they find like a portfolio of his like equations, and they're like, these equations aren't possible. And then they solve them, and like the gates to fucking relay open up, and then there's shoggoths and all this shit. That's kind of where I thought this movie was going with, because it's about this like this woman and her husband. It takes place over in Ireland. They inherit this old house or they buy this old house from this woman and this like math professor used to live there and the math professor and the rest of the family had disappeared and they start finding these like weird engravings all over the house. It's like Hebrew symbols and then like math equations and they're like, oh, that's weird. And then their eldest daughter disappears in the house and why the cops are like, oh, she ran away. They're like, no, she's she disappeared in the house. Like I was on the phone with her. And then as the movie goes on, it turns out that this professor was involved in some, like, nefarious shit. And there was, like, um, 
there was another house in Belgium or France or somewhere that had like the same engravings and a family disappeared there. And it all ties into this concept of like the Leviathan, which I thought was really cool. And just as it was getting like, just as as it was about to push past, like push, push past, like your typical, like Judeo Christian, uh, dichotomy of good and evil and into the realm of like really scary it kind of like took a step back and was like oh no actually it was baphomet who was tricking us and i was like oh him again fucking baphomet like oh um but it was still good you know what i mean like it still had like a pretty a pretty creepy ending um i, I like alicia cuthbert i think she's like a pretty a pretty solid actor uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, if, if you're, if you're into like just straight up spooky haunted house stuff with a touch of like weird cosmic horror, I think you'll like it a lot. It's on shutter right now. So yeah. I'm into it. I, I'd at least check it out. Yeah. Um, so let's, I, it, weirdly enough, I wanted to talk about some of the more, the more, fearful experiences I had on this trip because I had quite a few. Um, but I also actually did a, a goodish number of like horror movie re- related stuff. Um, Ooh. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys follow me on Instagram, repairman X Jack, you can go there. I posted the pictures. Um, I visited the cemetery out in Western Pennsylvania where they filmed uh, the remake of night of the living dead. And I lined up the shots as good as I could to kind of like give you an idea of where in the cemetery the scenes were shot. What I did realize though is that cemetery is a lot smaller than it's made out to be in the movie. Like it is not even, um, I, I, I'd say it's like maybe half a city block long and maybe like 200 feet wide. There's one road that just loops around it. So it's like when you watch that movie in the beginning, there's like the shots of them driving and driving and driving. They're literally just driving in a circle as they're being filmed from different angles. So kudos to Tom Savini for pulling that off. Um, But it was pretty cool. Uh, One funny thing was as I was like, you know, running around the cemetery trying to get like these shots of the, you know, with my phone out trying to like line it up with, oh, here's where the guy with the backless tuxedo does this. And here's the guy who goes, I'm sorry, does that. Um, This like woman pulled up to pay her respects, like, you know, like you do, like the the right thing to do at a cemetery. And she saw me doing this and was very clearly like, fucking asshole. Again, rightfully so. I shouldn't have been there. Um, So I got to my car and my next stop was going to be the Monroeville Mall where they filmed Dawn of the Dead. And I'm sitting in my car and she pulls up next to me like she's going to say something to me. Again, she had every right to say something because I was the one in the wrong. So... I see her coming up in my rearview mirror and I immediately put my head down and I pretend to start crying. Like I'm sad. Like I was visiting someone at the cemetery and I missed them. And I just sat there and pretended to cry until she drove away. Horrible thing for me to do. I can't believe you did. Like that is an unbelievable thing, but also I kind of understand why. (laughs) Yeah. Um, not my proudest moment. Uh, I also got shots of the farmhouse in that movie. It's all on private property. So, you know, understandably so people don't appreciate you driving up their driveway and being like, can I take a picture where them zombies were? Um, but luckily there's like a hill that on the long side of it that you can drive up there and, you know, take weird intrusive photographs of a house that doesn't belong to you. Um, also went to the Monroeville Mall where they filmed Dawn of the Dead. That was pretty cool. It's unrecognizable. Uh, it doesn't at all look like it did in the movie. Not surprisingly, the movie came out fucking f- over 40 years ago at this point. So whatever. Um, I do want to talk about this weird phenomenon of like driving through the American Southwest and the concept of um like fear of an abyss or fear of a gulf or fear of a, of some kind of oblivion 
Um, I don't know if I explained to you, Liam, but like the night I drove out to the famous extraterrestrial highway sign in Nevada, it's pitch black out there. And I took a picture of the sign, got back in my car, and this is, I'll tell the story. I don't know if I told you, but I, I told my mom this and she thought it was fucking hilarious. But the car I had rented, I'd rented in LA, but it was out of a rental company from Florida. So the car's clock was set to Eastern Standard Time. I'm in California, so when I would run my phone through the map app, it would come up as local time, which is three hours behind. Yeah, three hours behind. Now, I drive out, you know, an hour out to the Nevada desert to take a picture of this extraterrestrial highway sign. Um, out in the middle of the night, there's nothing out there. There is, there is nothing. There's like an abandoned gas station next to this sign and that's it for 40 miles or so easily. I take a picture of this sign now, it's called Extraterrestrial Highway because it's not far from Area 51 and it's a, it's a UFO hotspot. Take a picture of the sign and it's just blackness behind that sign. And I didn't really get the chills until the next day when I went there and saw what was behind that sign in, the, in broad daylight, which is nothing for miles. And there's just something creepy about it. That's something that just made my skin crawl of like standing on the edge of like an abyss and not realizing it. Um... So I get, I, I get back in my car, and when I had gotten out of my car, I had looked at the local time, which said 8 o'clock. I get back in my car, and I see the time, East Coast time, that says like 11.15. And my first thought is like, I wasn't out there for three hours and 15 minutes. Why, why, where'd that missing time go? Oh, my God. Was I, was I abducted? And just for like maybe two to three seconds... I was in the grip of just absolute fucking sheer terror. And then like, I was like, oh, no, I wasn't abducted. It was fine. Okay. Um, but then I got pulled over, uh, which sucked. Uh, fuck you, Tonopah Police Department. Um, you're a bunch of fucking pigs. You're all fucking bastards. Uh, enjoy the $200 I gave you. Um, and have fun patrolling your shitty little town because that town fucking sucks. Uh the Clown Motel is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. There's nothing cute or novelty. Like, there's no novelty about it. It looks like a flea bag hotel where sexual assault probably happens at. And I hope it burns to the fucking ground. But no, I mean, it, it's just like, a, it's just like this weird little area of the, of the United States where I don't know if it's because there's just nothing out there. It just feels like there's something like ancient and weird about it. And, uh... I was actually told a story by this woman at a this like alien themed gas station about how she thought she had an experience with we'll say ultra terrestrials where she was driving through the desert and she saw what she thought was a like a dust devil but then she realized it was like making a beeline for her to oh, intercept wow. her at yeah. this road and so she stopped and then this thing stopped and she's like, oh, it's waiting for me. What she said was that she thought she was looking at something that didn't realize it was being observed. And once it realized it was being observed, it took the form of something that it thought would be appropriate, which was a dust devil. Now I'm telling you this and I know it sounds insane. But when you're listening to someone tell you this and they are 100% sincere, there's something that's chilling about that. Sure, like, yeah. I under uh, Like, I understand that, like... It, it, there is a there is a logical fallacy to the abductee experience where um, researchers like John Mack and Bud Hopkins, they seem to think that uh, that just because these people believe it happened, that it happened. And it's like, no, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of times that like a false reality that is created by a person's like psychosis or delusions can appear real and that person can believe it's real that's how lie detector tests work um but just and then this woman's telling me the story about how like she felt like she was looking at something that was like oh shit i'm being watched right now how do i act so this woman doesn't know what i am she said it turned into like a set of tumbleweeds that were like gold flecked rolled across the road 
turned into a dust devil and then fled. And I was like, okay, that's the, the scariest thing I'm going to hear all trip. Um, and again, mind you, I'm in the middle of the desert when she's fucking telling me this. I have to drive through the area where she said this happened. Um, and then, I, of course, as I'm like an hour later when I'm in that area, I look at my rearview mirror and there's these like dust devils. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. God damn it. They're, they found me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I went to the, what was the, I, I went, this isn't horror related, but I went to the Devil's Tower where, you know, director of Poltergeist, Steven Spielberg also directed his first movie about aliens, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was pretty wild. Um, I may or may not have been in a tornado in South Dakota. I'm not sure. Uh, and in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, I went to the TNT domes where the first sighting of Mothman occurred. Wow. And that was a very, very, very bad idea for me to, for me to do because the TNT domes are straight up something out of a nightmare. I was going to go there at night and I went there in broad daylight at like three in the afternoon. And I was like, fuck, I am going to die here. Like be it the Mothman get me or be it a fucking like methamphetamine enthusiast get me or a goose. I don't know. It, the video I posted on Instagram where people have been like, I posted a video of me inside these TNT domes and I don't want to explain the legend of moth. Just go to Wikipedia and look up Mothman. They'll talk about the TNT domes. And when they talk about the TNT domes, then go to my Instagram repairman X Jack, go back a few days. And there's a video I posted of me inside one of these things. It is so fucking unsettling. Like every little noise you make gets distorted and reverberated around you so oh, you weird. can't tell so you cannot tell where the noise is coming from you can't tell what the noise is like it's it's just it's so disorienting and 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 and, and frightening and then even if you don't believe that like a fucking ultra terrestrial mothman you know terrorized this town for a year which whatever the jury's still out on that one this place must be hell at night. I, I, it, it's, oh my God. Um, I mean, I, I did a bunch of other shit too. I went to the Grand Canyon. I lost a bunch of money in Vegas. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you, you, you know, made but, the, you made the most of it. I felt, I, I, I was amazed at the pace of your trip. I felt like you were somewhere crazy and new every single day. Did you feel like you were getting exhausted on this trip? Was there any restful oh my time God. on this trip? I actually, by the time I met up with you, I was like on the verge of just like completely fucking falling apart at the seams. And not in like the way that I usually am. I mean, like physically, I was like, this shit needs to wrap up right now because I am going to die soon if I don't get home. And that's why like that night and um. The night I, I spent in Point Pleasant after I was in Chicago, I went to bed like kind of early and it was just wonderful because I got like a full like eight hours of sleep and like the hotel was like kind of like old timey, like 70s. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. I didn't even piss in the sink like I threatened to do every other every other night. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you did seem, I mean, we literally, y'all, we like met up, we went to check out the Brood Coffee Shop, which is very cool. We'll talk about that. Shout in a out, that here. place is amazing. And then we went and got dinner, and then I just drove Justin back to his hotel, and he went to sleep, which was, yeah. you know, kind of okay with me, because I that meant I also had an early night, but it was definitely like, I could tell you were wrecked. Um, yeah, so the Brood, you know, I guess that's the other horror-related thing I did, and I've I've been there a couple times now. There's a record store in Chicago that people probably have heard of if you are someone who cares about record stores in other cities called Bric-a-Brac. And uh, they're known for not just being like a, you know, a punk uh, record store, but they've always had movie stuff going on, various memorabilia and things like that. Well, they partnered with someone and uh, they basically moved the record store into the store next to them and used the old space that was the record store to be a coffee shop called The Brood, B-R-E-W-E-D. That is a horror-themed coffee shop. Uh, and when I say horror-themed, 
It's in the names of the drinks. It's in the decor. It's in the multiple glass cases full of all kinds of horror tchotchkes. It's in the giant original one sheets all over the place from movies, you know, ranging from uh, The Shape of Water to Zombie 2 to, you know what I mean, to uh, 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 various Hong Kong. They also have a collection of those Thai posters that are really neat it's it's really it's just a fun spot and uh they have good coffee and tea there they've got cereal and sandwiches it's just i i feel like i'm uh hyping them up a little bit but i feel like that's justified it's just a really cool place yeah it was uh and plus there's a cool Candyman mural in the back very cool Candyman mural there's a lot of neat paintings around that the the doors had like a junji ito feel and of uh, the bathrooms and uh yeah, it's, it's just neat. It's just like, you know, it's not a museum per se, but I think a lot of people come in, just get their one cup of coffee, and then use that as an excuse to wander around and look at all the cool harsh stuff. And they oh, sell yeah. they sell Blu-rays there. So if the, you want to pick something up, I know like if you sometimes if you miss an online sale, then you feel like you've missed out on a movie forever. But if you're in the Chicago area, you can get some stuff that's sold out in the store, you know? Yeah. So yeah, oh, it was cool. holy shit. I can't even believe the other cool, terrifying thing that I did on this trip. Um, so I went to the, 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 the International UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico, because of course I had to. Do you know who I am? That was great. Um, there's like a, the entire wing of it is dedicated to like, it's all like a research facility. So it's all like books and reports and articles and documents and UFO reports and newspaper clippings where if you're writing a book about UFOs, you can go there and sit there and do your thing. So I'm walking through there and it's open to the public. You could just go in there and like, you can't take anything out of the museum, but like you can go in there and be like, Oh, like, Oh, here's a first edition of Bud Hopkins intruders. Hmm. Uh, the one lady who works there took me out back to show me the marker that was at the UF, the Roswell crash site until a few years ago when it was uh, sold to a, to a, another uh, owner. That was the first time someone at a UFO facility was so... Uh, mind you, I'm. Uh, she just didn't pick me at random. I was, I was crying at being, at, at being so... at how happy I was to be there. So she was moved by my display of emotions, as many are. She took me out back. She showed... We made love gently. No, we didn't do that. Um... The second time this happened is way fucking cooler. And I posted this on Facebook and Instagram and a few people were like, holy shit, I've never even heard of that. And, you know, we're like, this is really, this is really cool. So I went to this place called the UFO Watchtower outside of Hooper, Colorado in the San Luis Valley, which is like southwest of Denver in like the high desert. It's in like a valley between like the Rocky mountains. And, um, it's this, I don't know really how to explain it. Like it's a building, it's like a gift shop. And on top of the gift shop, there's like a flat roof where you can set stuff up. It's like a UFO hotspot. Like they see them there, they're there all the time, whatever. I unfortunately wasn't able to be there at night, but I like, the woman who who started the place back in I think the eighties has like on file like pictures of things that have been there like catalogs and all that stuff. Um, the reason they picked this spot was because it was not far from the oh, I think it was the Fleming Ranch was the name of it. Back in nineteen sixty seven, there was a horse farmer, and one of his prized mares, Lady, went missing. And they found her, like, the next day out in the range. From the neck up, all the flesh was gone. Just a, like like Ghost Rider. Eyes had been taken out. Tongue had been taken out. Um, there had been a, a hole drilled into her skull. The brain was removed. Sex organs removed. Anus was removed. There was no blood. There were no tracks anywhere around her. And there were no marks from any sort of, like, scavengers near the body. People at first weren't like, oh, this is UFOs, clearly. People at first were like, what the fuck happened to this thing? You know, like, this is like a, this is like a thousand dollar horse. Like, even beyond the, 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 the macabre nature of it, like, this was a financial loss for these people. Um, 
and then it started happening to sheep, cattle, all over the all over this this valley, it's where cattle mutilation started. Is what I'm trying to say. So, um, they took the horse. The there was after the autopsy, they boiled off the. They had they kept the skeleton, and for years it had it was it was locked up in storage, in some like super city councilman's like private collection, just like locked away. He died. His kids gave it to the woman who ran this UFO watchtower place. She has the skeleton locked up and she's currently having it rebuilt by a taxidermist to put it on display at some point in the next couple of years. So I get there and I'm talking to this woman and we're, you know, having this conversation. And I'm telling her like, oh, I came from Pennsylvania and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, how much longer are you going to be here? Are you going to be here for like another 20 minutes? And I was like, I can hang out. She's like, okay. There's one other person in the gift shop. They leave. She goes over, she locks the front door, hits the close sign. She's like, do you want to go for a ride? Like, okay. We get in her truck. We go for a ride out into the desert to this fucking garage. She opens the garage and there's the skeleton of this horse. Yeah. And I, I can't really put into words what it was like to see this thing. Cause I've been, I've read about this before. I read about it when I was a kid but to stand next to this horse and see the fucking hole in its skull that whatever drilled the hole in its head took its brain out through, I hopefully never feel anything like that ever again in my life. Um, that was so, like, I'm grateful that she took me to see this thing. Um, I feel, like, profoundly lucky to, to, to see this, this, this horse's skeleton but I also felt like I was in the presence of something that like I wasn't supposed to be. And I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. I've never felt like I was uh, seeing through a window towards something that was like, uh, you know, what, what's this? What, what do we got that's, here? Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like I've never had an experience is what I'm trying to say. I, I've never seen a UFO. I've never seen a Sasquatch. I've never had a ghostly experience. I definitely felt like standing in the room with this horse's skeleton and seeing like the marks on the skull, like, and like you could see like the marks on the spine where like the flesh was removed. Like there's just something about that where I was like, this thing, this poor animal bore witness to something I don't even want to think about. And I don't know. That was that left people keep saying, like, what was your favorite moment? I'm like, when I saw Snippy the horse, uh, that 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 was I'll I'll never forget that. Like, that was just such a profoundly unsettling but joyous experience that I'll never experience anything like that ever, ever again. Hopefully not anyway. That's so intense. That's crazy, man. Yeah. But yeah, that's a. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, it's 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 a lot of cool stuff you got to do. I know some of it's weird. You know what I mean? Like it's like your specific interests, but part of your relationship to horror is your relationship to I don't know the eerie, the spooky, the the yeah. the cryptid of the world. You know? Oh, I mean, also like if you're you know anyone who's like tangentially into horror, like if you guys want. Uh, go back on my Instagram if you haven't already. Um, I think it was on like April 3rd. Yeah, April 3rd. I, I went to the tunnel, uh, the absentia tunnel again for the second time in my life. But this time at night, I went there at fucking night and just like took pictures of some of the graffiti there. And some of the graffiti is so goddamn like, oh, it's but yeah, you could go check that out. Um, I drove Mulholland Drive at night and almost got some guy tried to drag race me. Well, I was like, oh no, yeah, this will, this like, let's let's do it. Why not? And if we see if we see a limousine up ahead, let's crash into it. Because what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> uh, well, I'm jealous of your of aspects of your trip. <laughs> Some of yeah, that sounds say, a little too much for me, but <laughs> yeah, don't be jealous of the endless. Don't be jealous of the fact that I may or may not have gotten caught in a tornado in South Dakota. That was frightening. Yeah, but no. do be jealous that I saw. I, I, I stood outside Paisley Park at night and I, I saw it all lit up in its purple lights. That was beautiful. Yeah, I am jealous of that. I need to. It's not that far from here. I need to get over there, but it's just like 
when do I have time for a road trip, you know? But I Yeah, exactly. Well, hey y'all. Thanks thanks for listening to our to our uh free form episode. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we're going to be back. Like, like we said, we're, our next episode, we're going to have Chris reject and Dan champion, because even though Dan champion is a horrible human being and I hate him as a person, this is a pro Dan champion podcast as a wrestler professionally. This is a pro Dan champion podcast. So, um, yeah, until next time, uh, be sure to head to patreon.com and check us patreon.com backslash cinepunks and, you know, be sure to like and subscribe and, you know, give us a little money, a little something, something. And then head to Cinepunks.com to check out episodes of this show and others like The Carnage Report and Twitch of the Death Nerve and Cinepunks and Cinema Smorgasbord and a bunch of other stuff. And also uh, check out some of our sponsors, XLV, Lehigh Valley Paler Creations at XLVACX.com and Essex Coffee Roasters at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Um, and until next time, uh, Elon Musk sucks and Ron DeSantis is a fucking piss drinking troll. Ooh, I like that. All right. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!